0: Fasten your seat belt i am taking you
1: for
0: the ride of your life all right you primitive screwheads, listen up i am the monster that breathing men would kill it might be a tumor that's not a tumor i go out of my way for you i do everything to try and make you happy i feed you i clean you i dress you and what thanks do i get i am so so sorry. Are you fucked? Are you fucked?
2: I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood.
0: Dinner is
2: smooth. Save yourself
3: from hell listening to the 30 something movie podcast one movie each week 30 years in the making (laughs) that's right it's the 30 something movie podcast it's the end of october i'm kind of bummed i always look forward to october so much I, i just i don't know Dennis, you like horror movies.
4: I have to say, uh, I went am a pointy gruff them, but that's the name plan job,
3: I think. Did you catch for the intro? Is that what you're talking about? That intro was awesome. Did you catch all the? You, you catch where all the references are from? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to play that
4: back at some point. And listen to that again. There yeah. Go. That was excellent. Excellent job. My well, My well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, where I, did you get the little
1: the chime thing that dong 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 You know the music.
3: I, that yeah, right there, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I want to say I found that either on a it was either on a website or it was on a YouTube channel that was like, "Hey, I, I made this music. Feel free to use it." Like, okay, <laughs> that's sufficiently creepy. Let's use that. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's a cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. So I think I found it a couple years ago. So I think I've been using it for October for like the last two or three years now. It's got that. It's got that creepy little little chimes and then little bells and the yeah. Yeah, and there's one like right at the end, like, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a kid playing
1: chimes in band. So I'm just imagining (laughs) bang 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 bang. bang, You know. (laughs) Yep.
3: Yep. Well, it is. We've come to the end of October. I'm a little sad. I am too. It's been an exciting month of movies. It's usually you don't like October.
1: Well, I I mean, you know, like some of the movies, eh, it doesn't itch my particular scratch, but
3: I'll tell you, there's been some really straight up awesome movies. It's been really good. Yeah. Between as we started with the witches. um, Yeah. Well, in terms of horror movies, we started with the problem child at the end of September. Um, And then when we got into October, we had the witches. We had Stephen King's it. We had Jacob's ladder. We had tremors. And now we got misery. So, Jacob's Ladder and Tremors. That was a fun couple of weeks there. Those were those were excellent movies. Yeah. No, those were, that was good stuff. And actually at this point, by the time people are listening to this episode, cause this will come out, you know, just a couple of days, probably before Halloween. Um, and by the time people have listened to this one, there's actually going to be several other episodes that have come out in the month of October that normally would not have come out. Um, but these episodes are extra. They are not horror movies. Um, but they are coming out because we have some Patreon patrons that have donated to the show. And they have donated at a level that allowed them to pick a movie for us to talk about. So we had a couple of them this month that picked some movies for us to talk about. So at this point, if you're listening to this episode, um, you probably also have uh, access to Mr. Destiny, which is another one that, uh, that, that should have been out at the time this episode comes out. I think that one should have come out about uh, two weeks ago, almost maybe three weeks ago now. And then uh, Internal Affairs. Was the other one, and that one probably came out last week uh, at the time that this one would get released. So, the other thing, too, with our Patreon patrons uh, at the level that they are donating, they also get access to a special, uh, they become what I'm calling co executive producers of the Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, We'll we'll use movie terms since we're a movie podcast. Um, Since they are helping to finance the podcast, they are becoming co-executive producers. And uh, when you become a co-executive producer of the podcast, you do get access to a a special kind of members-only episode that'll come out once a month. Um, So by the time this recording has come out, that members-only podcast for our Patreon patrons um, will have come out probably... Uh, maybe just a few days ago. And uh, it is the movie Brewster's millions from 1985. Nice. So, so that one, uh, so the, the members only ones do not necessarily have to follow our usual like 30 year deal. Like those are some that we can kind of go back and hit up ones that we maybe missed. Um, or if we want to hit like a particular, actor over the course of a couple of different months, uh, or, or a particular director for a couple of months. Um, but this will give us a chance to kind of go back and just do some other special ones that we wouldn't normally do. Um, and, and maybe just, yeah, maybe we'll change some things up a little bit, do some stuff we wouldn't normally do on the show. Um, you know, not that we're going to be like, you know, swearing or anything, we're still going to make it family friendly, but you know, I know let's have a spelling contest. (laughs) (laughs) maybe poker just isn't your game i know let's have a spelling contest seriously though that's so cool that like uh people are contributing
1: to the show so to (laughs) our patrons many 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 thanks that is
3: kind of like wow cool yeah very, very cool. Very cool. So if you want to get in on some of that action, uh, you can, you can do that in a couple of different ways. We have a Patreon page. Uh, so you can head over to Patreon, uh, should be patreon.com slash 30 podcast. But if you want to, uh, we have a new website that is up at this point. And uh, I don't think we've actually taken any time on the show itself to kind of talk about that. But if you want to, you can go to, uh, 30 podcast.com and there are several different ways. Uh, it's got, a whole bunch of links up along the top where you can leave a review. You can read other reviews that people have left. Um, You can uh, we've got the voting up for the 1991 movies. We've got our wall of fame for the patrons, for our co-executive producers, um, a place where you can contact us. Then it's also got a spot where you can donate. So if you want to go there, it's got the link directly to our Patreon page. Um, So you can go check that out if you want to. Uh, it's also I really like our new website. It's it's just a nice, easy, very visual way of getting to a lot of our episodes. Uh, looks really nice on a computer, a tablet, a phone. Um, one of the other things that's kind of cool about it is we still have the voicemail line. So if people want to call and leave us a voicemail. At 872-356-6843. But there is actually a little microphone button when you go to our website where you can click on that microphone, click or tap on that microphone button, and you can actually leave us a voicemail directly through our website. So you don't have to, you don't have to remember the phone number. You don't have to call on the phone if you don't want to. Um, I think it's a limit of two minutes. So Pat, you'd have to leave like three of them, Um, but uh, yeah. Sometimes I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying you'd have to leave two or three of them. Yeah. The first time I did, I felt guilty. And then yeah. after that, it just kind of, there's, there's no guilt. There's no guilt and no shame. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so if you want to, well, maybe, yeah. So if you want to check out our website, uh, it's 30 podcast.com. And then that has a whole bunch of links. I, I pretty much any, Any way that you could possibly listen to podcasts, I mean, there is just, if you go down the side of the page, it's got stuff for iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Overcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, like pretty much any other way. I mean, any way you could possibly think of to listen to podcasts, um, it has a link to be able to get you to our show on those different services, so a lot of really cool stuff there we're going to be adding more stuff to that as things go along Um, I do like the one section that's also on the very front of our website is if you are new to the show and you want to kind of get a sense of you know what we've talked about in the past kind of what our style is I have put up uh, at this point it was three of our most downloaded episodes are there uh, and they kind of span actually kind of span the the uh, the years of our show i mean i've got one there's one from 2016 uh, all the way back episode number 95 is on there and it was uh, i did a review of the dark knight returns comic from 1986 and then uh, episode 129 was uh, episode 1 no 129 titled must be a hen house was some kind of wonderful from 1987 and mm-hmm. then uh, we had one from last year episode number 231 this is not your room was turner and hooch from 1989, so um, kind of like that section on our website. It's just kind of a nice way, and that may change up from time to time. But it's a nice way that if you have not listened to us before, um, you can just kind of jump in and, and get a sense of like who we are and, and how we talk about movies, and uh, or if you want to just go straight to the latest episode, there is a big link right at the top of the page where you can just click to play and, and listen to it right from there. So, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, so go check it out, 30podcast.com. That can, that can also get to all our other uh, social media spots too, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. All right, that's it for the sales pitch on the website. Um, I have with me tonight, we got almost the whole gang is here tonight. Our movie tonight we're talking about is Misery, and uh, we do spoil the movies that we talk about, so just be warned um if you want to leave us a review you can go actually go directly to our website at this point there is a way to get to itunes and a couple of the other spots where you can leave reviews so just go straight to 30podcast.com so you can leave us a review and uh yeah tonight i've got with me dennis pat and Bo. how are you guys doing good how you doing
2: very good john good to talk to you
3: yeah good am, to see everyone i am ready to not talk about work and talk about some movies yeah yeah <laughs> get out of that office for a while mm-hmm mm-hmm um, so let's start off with this. I do have, I do have just a small amount of movie news. Okay. Here's the news. I <laughs> See, I almost went into the good morning Vietnam thing
2: all the news that's fit to print
3: all the new all the news is new and approved by the u.s army this sweetest smelling army in the world it's, uh, it's running a little slow there let's see if we can speed that up all the pilots are like yeah that sounds pretty good so, yeah okay so the news i have is not good news for the uh, particularly for the movie theater industry um theaters are shutting down again i think regal is shutting down all theirs um wasn't cinemark. cinemark was it cinemark it was cinemark okay i don't think amc is doing well either i don't think any no. of them are doing very well um so it sounds like a lot of them are shutting down but then there was also a slate of movies that were planned to come out in 2021 and 2022 that are uh, no longer coming out during those times so uh the the updated list here is i have one but i think i wrote it down wrong because that number doesn't seem right let me look at it really fast. Oh, maybe they moved it up. Okay, yeah, we will take a look. Um, so anyway, the Batman was supposed to come out on October first, twenty twenty-one. It is now March fourth, twenty twenty-two. The Matrix Four has moved from April t- April first of twenty twenty-two to December 22nd, 2021. So that one actually got moved up a little bit, if those, num- if those dates are right. The Flash movie moves from June 3rd, 2022 to November 4th, 2022. Shazam 2 moves from November 4th, 2022 to June 2nd, 2023. The Black Adam movie moves from December 22nd of 2021 to nowhere. It is now not listed anywhere as being released. And uh, the news that I just saw right before we started recording today was wonder woman 1984 will now be released on streaming services no theaters Hmm. so they will forego the movie theaters and go directly to the streaming services or a premium i'm sure or i'm sure it will be it'll probably be like uh what was it mulan was mulan like 30 bucks on disney plus if you want to do it that way yeah
2: yeah. Mulan, I'm going to wait till it releases normally on Disney Plus in December. Wonder Woman, <laughs> I might
3: shell out the money for. I might. Well, and see, the more I think about it, I think I might have said this a couple of times on the show, is the more I think about it, if movie theaters really truly are kind of going away for the time being, I might look to Christmas time to be a time to upgrade the old TV and sound system and that kind of stuff Yeah, i've
2: been thinking the same thing my tv's all right it's the sound mm -hmm. that i need some work on
3: yeah well and we don't have a we don't have a very big living room and we don't have a big space where the tv's at so it's not like i can go a whole lot bigger um and we don't have a very big tv our tv i think is a 40 inch tv so we're not we're not big by any stretch of the imagination but um that's uh thank you dennis um sound system though i think i could upgrade that a little bit so i don't know if movie theaters are going away because that's I've, I've said that before on the show like that's my stress reliever would be to go see a movie and if i don't have movie theaters and if those are going away potentially i don't want to say forever because i don't think they'll go away forever but you know if it's if the whole idea of movie theaters becomes more scarce uh and becomes more of a niche thing then i, I think i gotta up the uh, up the movie theater set up at the home Mm-hmm. now the one opportunity this does give give movie theaters i think is to fix themselves a little bit like i i will say lately going to i have enjoyed much more going to the movie theaters where i mean they charge they charge more for the tickets um Some of the ones, you know, they serve food like Alamo Draft House and places like that. Uh, uh, Star Cinema Grill was another one that's up around us. Um, I will say I have enjoyed going to those theaters a little bit more lately than going to just like the major theater chains, because those theaters basically tell you right up front. If you talk during the movie, you're leaving. If you Mm. if you show up late to the movie, we will not let you in. I'm like, that's the kind of, like, see, once I get into a movie theater, I don't want to be interrupted. Like, I just want to sit there. I want to enjoy my movie. I don't want to hear anybody talking around me. I don't want people walking in half an hour into the movie, walking in front of me, getting to their seat. I just, once I get in there, I want to be immersed in the experience and not be interrupted with that. So I've always appreciated like Alamo Draft House how they're very strict about you get here on time. You don't talk during the movie. You don't pull your phone out during the movie. There's just, there've been so many movies that I've gone to lately at just the normal big chain movie theaters where somebody's texting, talking on their phone. Somebody's talking to their friends a little bit too loud, that kind of stuff. And it just, I don't know. For the price you pay for a ticket, it's not worth it anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. So you're hoping these uh, theaters kind of come out of this experience stronger.
3: Yeah. I'm hoping that they come out of it. I mean, if they're still going to come out of it and charge a premium for a ticket, then at least make the experience a premium experience.
1: I got to confess, you know, and and when you can write down the time index and take this, edit this out, if this is a silly question, are there any theaters indoors showing movies by us? Has that opened back up? Like I, I don't even know what the state of that is right now.
3: Yeah, actually, because that was one of the things I was thinking about doing, um, it, at the time this episode comes out, it will have already passed. Um, but at the time we're recording this, I'm, we're a few days away from Nora's 10th birthday. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was looking at is one of the theaters near us. It, and it was a lot less expensive than I thought it was. They were actually offering uh, some special deals on just renting out a theater and you mm-hmm. pay a, a flat fee and then you can bring up to 20 people with you if you wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. and then of course you obviously, you know, you get your concessions separately and all that, but, um, I almost thought of doing that. I, I don't think that we will, but I almost thought of doing that. Cause I'm like, you know what? Then that guarantees we're the only people in the theater. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I rent it out, if it's like, I don't know, a hundred bucks, I, I almost would probably pay a hundred bucks for movie tickets anyway, if I brought a certain number of people. But if it was like my family and my mother-in-law and my sister who, you know, those are the only people we've really been around during this whole time anyway, unless it's me going to work. Um, you know, I, if I brought those people, and I knew we, I was guaranteed we were going to be the only people in the theater. I, I wouldn't mind doing it that way, mm-hmm. but yeah, so there are, I mean, there are some that are open. Um, I know the, the one that's at uh, Gurney mills. I think it's a Marcus theater. I think they're open mm-hmm. right now. Um,
4: the I thought in Vernon Hills was, at least there was a parking lot full of people, but now it's not. So, okay.
2: Yeah, it was my brother went and saw empire strikes no. back somewhere recently. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
3: In Wisconsin. I know. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, wow, Wisconsin.
3: Wisconsin is like <laughs> tombstone.
1: <laughs> yep. Just yeah, you know, like they said in Doctor Strange, the bill comes mm-hmm. due.
3: Why is AMC <laughs> closed now you, you wanna, in Vernon Hills? You want to go see a movie? I'll play for blood. Not sure. <laughs> okay.
4: Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Huh? I'm just saying. I noticed I drove by. It was Saturday night through the parking lot through that back. Kind of way, and there was not a car in sight. And before, when I had driven by at night on a Saturday or Friday, the you know, the theater parking lot was pretty packed. Not pretty packed, but there was enough, you know, that people were there. Got it. Okay. There was literally like two cars there, I think, which means there wasn't anybody in theater.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, sad. yeah. So I I don't have too much more to say about that. I mean, I I think I think you could. As we've talked before on the show, I think it's got the opportunity to bring back drive-in movie theaters, which I think would be fun. Um, you know, I, I've never had, I've never had as much fun at a drive-in as I have at a normal movie theater. Um, it's just not quite the same experience. It's fun, but it's not quite the same experience. But um, you know, it might it might bring back the drive-ins. But I don't know. There's just something about going to the movie theater. But the other thing too, I I was reading something a little bit earlier and the other, this thing said, you know what, the, the current generation, you know, while we still grew up going to movies, like, you know, we saw the star Wars movies, we saw the James Bond movies, Ninja Turtles, like all this other stuff that we saw growing up, um, you know, or, or if you're Dennis, it was the 10 commandments and it was, um, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life and stuff like that. But, um, (laughs) Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> um, that's, that's if you donate enough to this podcast, you got to have access to the video you, feed. You get the video feed. Yeah. It's, oh, well. That's if you give us the, the $15 a month, you get the live video feed. Some spaghetti, man. Yeah. It's a yeah. Oh, I am. Uh-huh. You get the complete behind the scenes. There you go. There you go. I, what was that in guardians of the galaxy? Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I didn't know what this <laughs> did. I didn't, I'm sorry. Um, I can't even remember what I was saying now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh no no no! so what it was it was um this, uh, Ten commandments and
4: yeah, all that and, and, uh, yeah, uh, kids in this new generation yeah, so dennis
3: is old I'll get off know. the lawn i don't yeah. know what you were saying yeah dennis is old um no that that this generation is perfectly comfortable watching movies on a phone i know and that for them it's not like you don't have to go to the movie theater you, you got it on your phone you just watch it on your phone and they're perfectly fine doing that whereas you know i'll sure i'll watch a movie on my phone i'll watch it on my computer uh on a tablet but it's never going to replace for me having grown up with the movie theater and the movie theater experience it's never going to replace that whole experience even if i even if i upgraded my my layout here at home it's not going to replace that experience of going to a movie theater so I, i really hope they don't go away completely
4: i agree yep yeah it's uh people have liked it like a lot of audio people have likened it when when um you know, like when the uh, vinyl went away and that you don't get all the different textures and grooves and bass and all the different stuff that's in the, in a record. And, and now, you know, everything that's compressed, you don't hear everything. So a lot of people say like that, that kind of whole thing too. Like kid, people are, people are more forgiving of sound. That's not great. And just like that, people are more forgiving of the video being on a small screen. Yeah. It's just what they're used to. Yeah. Where you hear some people and they're like, man, that album, I cannot listen to that album compressed on, you know, streaming or something. I need to hear that thing with a pair of headphones on and an old record player, you know, very least DVD or some other, you know, Mm -hmm. lossless
3: um, type of format. But I still have not. Was that the Tom Hanks movie Greyhound? Yeah. I still have not Pat, I still have not watched that movie because so I was so I've disappointed seen it like four times. It's really, I mean, really good. I I, I got to watch it, but I in my mind, Pat, like I had this whole thing cuz I know you and I had talked about it when that trailer came out. I was like, Pat, if it's like the last day of school, like as soon as school's done, you and I are going to the theater, we're going to watch yeah. this movie and like I had after watching that trailer, I had in my mind I'm like I've got to watch this in a theater cuz I got I I got to have the surround sound. I got to have the explosions. I got to have the And then as soon as all this happened and then that movie came out on, I think it was Apple, was it Apple TV plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As soon as that came out, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I'll be able to see it at home, but it's, that's not the same. No, it's not. I'm, I'm going to say this for
1: that movie though. Uh, And and I don't know if Dennis, if you saw it, Bo. I saw you nod that, that you had seen it. Um, (laughs) The way they do that movie. And I, I think it's fantastic. They don't, and this isn't a, this isn't a roast, but I think it's really great how they did it. They don't waste time on character development just to you know, Oh, well, who's this character? Well, this person has to have a backstory and this person has to have a back. And they basically what they seek to do in that movie is they just take you and drop you into a destroyer in the middle of the battle of the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And then they don't give you time. It's like literally being, being thrown in the deep end of the pool. They don't give you time to be like, you better brush up on your naval jargon. You might want to read a couple of books on the topic. You might want to watch a documentary or three because it, it they just expect you to have a level of knowledge so what's my point the more you watch the movie the more you'll pick up on oh that's what they were doing there or, oh wow that okay now that makes like bo i don't know if you had any experience with like that but there's like a lot of aha moments so what's my point here's the point dude um the more you watch it, the more you'll get out of it. Like it, it it won't be like, Oh man, I missed it on the big screen. Like when you finally do, if they ever put it on the big screen, it'll just, it'll hit you with that gut punch and however much you saw the previous time you saw it, you'll get that much more. The second time you saw it was, was my take in watching the movie. Um, it's just, there's, it's, it's really a unique film the way they, the way they threw it in there. So anyways, I know your time is scant. I'm not gonna tell you how to spend an hour and forty-five minutes of your time, but don't hold off on that movie. If like I said, when you do see it on the big screen, it'll be it'll be just as cool as the first 18 times you saw it on the smaller screens. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take. Bo, I don't know what your thoughts were. Dennis, I don't know if you saw it, but I can see, I know.
2: It was awesome. I mean, I'd agree. I I I can see it again for sure. Um, Yeah, it's great.
3: We did, right before we started recording, uh, and this will kind of date, you know, when this one was getting recorded, we did just see that Eddie Van Halen passed away today. Yeah. So that was sad. Said he died of cancer. He was 65. Yeah. So if you want to listen to some great Eddie Van Halen stuff, you got to go over to Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast. Um, Those guys have some great shows on Van Halen. So Van Halen, Van Hagar. Van Halen,
1: Van Hagar. (laughs) And they, and I just shout out for them anyways, because I mean, they also have like a James Bond one and they have my favorite band Motley Crue. They have the one on Dr. Feelgood. So yeah, those guys are just doing great stuff with their podcast. So yeah. that's highly enjoyable. Yeah.
3: Alright, well, let's go ahead and dive on into Misery. This one came out on the 30th of November 1990, rated R, at a runtime of 1 hour 47 minutes, directed by Rob Reiner, who also directed Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, and Ghosts of Mississippi. Coast of Mississippi is a completely different movie. Uh, producers on this one, Rob Reiner and Andrew Scheinman. Reiner also did A Few Good Men, The American President, and Scheinman also did uh, let's see, he also produced A Few Good Men, and Stand By Me. I uh, felt a little awkward saying that he uh, that Shineman did a few Good Men. That's a completely different movie as well. Um, and then writers on this one: Stephen King wrote the novel. William Goldman wrote the screenplay. William Goldman died in 2018. King also wrote It at Cemetery. Goldman also wrote The Princess Bride, All the President's Men, and The Ghost in the Darkness. Cinematography was done by Barry Sonnenfeld, who also did Raising Arizona, Throw Mama from the Train, and Big. Music was done by Mark Shaman, who did City Slickers, The Adams Family, and Sister Act? Budget was twenty million. Box office was sixty-one point three million. Rotten Tomatoes gave this a ninety percent for the critics and an eighty-nine percent for the audience. Uh, Cinema Score gives it an A minus. James Caan played Paul Sheldon. He was also in The Godfather, Alien Nation, The Program, and Rollerball. Kathy Bates played Annie Wilkes. She was in Titanic, Dolores Claiborne. Uh, Primary Colors and American Horror Story. Richard Farnsworth, who died in 2000, played Buster. He was in The Natural, Anne of Green Gables, and Blazing Saddles. Frances Sternhagen played Virginia. She was in Outland, The Mist, Raising Cane, and The Closer. Lauren Bacall, who died in 2014, played Marcia Sindel. She was into Have and Have Not, The Big Sleep, Murder on the Orient Express, and The Mirror Has Two Faces. Graham Jarvis, who died in 2003, played Libby, said, Mr. Mom, what's up, Doc, and a new leaf. After a serious car crash, novelist Paul Sheldon, played by James Kahn, is rescued by former nurse Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates, who claims to be his biggest fan. She's his number one fan, in fact. Um, Annie brings him to a remote cabin to recover, where her obsession takes a dark turn when she discovers Sheldon is killing off favorite character from his novels. As Sheldon devises plans for escape, Annie grows increasingly controlling, even violent, as she forces the author to shape his writing to suit her twisted fantasies.
0: He almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs, and the fibula in the right leg is fractured, too. And as soon as the roads open... I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon the writer?
2: Everybody sure likes those misery books.
0: They had it at the store, Paul.
4: They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle, you finding me.
0: In a way, I was following you.
4: You were following me?
0: Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man, or you could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. You're
3: very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon
0: is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead.
2: The misery spirit is still alive.
0: I don't want her spirit! I want her, and you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And Don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here, and you better hope nothing happens to me, because if I die, you die. you've been out is this what you're looking for eventually you'll come to accept the idea of being here
4: annie whatever you think i'm not doing please don't do it annie for god
0: shh darling trust me god's sake it's for the best god i love you
3: Okay, so in that trailer, and, and it was the first time I listened to that trailer too. I was like, "Is that the music from Aliens?" And it is. And it is. <laughs> yep. It's. It's. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it threw me off a little bit the first time I listened to it. I was like, "Huh." Well, I know trailers reuse music all the time. You know, especially in the '80s, early '90s. You know, it's it, a lot of a lot of recycled stuff. Well, and even beyond that too. But yeah, I was like, that threw me off a little bit. I'm just, I'm just
1: gonna agree with you. And I really like that when we record these, sometimes you throw the trailer in audio after it's really cool to hear the trailers before we talk about the movies, because mm. how they score the music in there really can kind of change your opinion. And it's happened on a couple, three or four of these that all of a sudden I'll listen back to our recording. And it's like, wow, I wish we could have talked about the trailer. Cause it really changes the nature. The most recent one being star Trek five. I want to say the music that they used in the star Trek five trailer was out of wrath of Khan. Maybe, or maybe, yeah it was one of the earlier ones and I got to be honest when you listen to it with that music, even after I've seen the movie, it changed my whole like thought of what the movie was, you know, how it was being portrayed. So yeah, this it's cool when you play the trailers because that, that music can have such a powerful effect on how we, how we
3: see and envision the movie. I think. I don't know. Wow. Maybe star Trek five, isn't a bad movie. Oh no. Wait a minute. It's <laughs> I, I shared my pain with that movie several times. Um, no, that I, I like I, all I picture is that when I hear that music at, in this trailer is I, I just want to look at Kathy Bates. She goes, get away from her. You. <laughs> yeah. And then throw her out the airlock. All right, so I'm going to start with a slightly different question this time. I'm not going to ask you for your one word or phrase. We're just going to start it off this way, um, and, and then we'll go from there. We'll talk about the plot of the movie a little bit, and then we'll we'll get into some critiquing of some other things. But I'm going to start it off with this, and I just want you to tell me just just very, very quick answer, because we'll get into it. Um, did you like this movie? I'll go first, yes. I'll go second,
1: yes.
2: Mm. Okay. Um, it, I don't hate it, but...
3: Um, I'm going to say I did like this movie. Um, uh, I, it, it's nowhere near like the top of my list in terms of like psychological thrillers, horror movies, things like that. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was fine. Like it's not top of my list, but it was good. All right. Well, um, I will say too, that I did watch this one, um, only because I know he's read and he really likes Stephen King and he's read several of the books and I I checked up on it ahead of time. I'm like, I know this is rated R, but <laughs> you know why is it rated r i mean is there a little bit of language in it is it the violence is it the um and so john actually ended up watching part of this with me he didn't watch the whole thing but he did watch part of this with me and uh, he enjoyed it too so you know that was as, as a big uh, stephen king fan i think he liked this one i think he was going to go try to find the book for it so he did enjoy it cool All right. Well, in this, so we'll, we'll kind of, we'll start with the plot first and then we'll kind of get into, you know, some of the stuff that we uh, liked or didn't like about this one. So we start the movie off. Paul Sheldon, James Kahn is a famous writer who's just finished his new novel, um, of his Misery Chastain series. And, uh, sounds like he has kind of this regular, um, habit to this routine of kind of going off and staying at this, uh, at this cabin in Silver Creek at this hotel in Silver Creek, Colorado. And, um, he has finally finished his story. Uh, we learn later on the movie, he does not make copies of his stories. He, you know, he's a little superstitious about that. Um, and so he has finished his novel finally, and he is on his way to, deliver it to the publisher and uh, as he does there is a blizzard and uh, that that kind of very first scenes of the movie is we see his car run off the road crash and uh, he is very very badly injured somebody pulls him out of the crash and then uh, obviously has saved his life there when he comes back to consciousness uh, he finds that he is in a bed in a kind of quiet farmhouse uh, away from town He's got a broken arm, uh, legs, but he's also been treated. So uh, he, he knows that whoever it is is taking care of him. And the person who saved him is a woman named Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates. Uh, She tells Paul she's a nurse and that she's his number one fan. Um, So Paul is staying in her home, recovering, waiting for the weather to turn better. She keeps telling him, you know, once once the weather is better, the roads are fine. We'll take you into a hospital. Um, Phones are down, too. Like, I'm not able to call anybody. Um, But as soon as I am, I'll you know, we can give your daughter a call. We can call your publisher. Um, You know, we'll 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 get you taken care of as soon as all this kind of clears up. So one of the thoughts I had, because they, in the synopsis that we read before I played the trailer, it, it talked about how her kind of her fandom uh, took a dark turn when she found out that Misery was going to be killed in the novel. But I kind of got a sense that's not when things took a dark turn. so i I, that synopsis to me was a little misleading because that made it sound like she did all this because he was killing off her character but i'll ask you guys that do you think if she had read this novel and misery the character in the novel had lived and was you know he was going to write several more misery novels um do you think that she still would have gone through and done all the stuff that she did that we haven't quite talked about yet was she going to do it anyway or did she, was she driven to do it because of what he did to the character she loved?
2: I think the death of that character drives her to need to keep him there to write a novel where she doesn't die. I think she still would have been creepy and she still would have kept him there a little bit, but I don't think she goes to the extreme. She doesn't need him to finish a new book.
4: Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, obviously, creepy, and there's definitely some some history there. But with him, I think she truly was his number one fan. But then he disappointed her. And it's when he disappointed her that set her off in the direction of conflicting, you know, some things on him, which I don't think she would have normally done anyway. There was no she didn't do it right away. Um, so I, would it eventually happen? Probably because something else might have set her off. If it wasn't that character. But. Um, I think that was the catalyst, obviously.
3: What do you think, Pat? Was she always going to do this or?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. It's I'm really I'm sitting here. It's it's an interesting thought, you know, and I kind of first went to the extremes. Like, would she have kept him corralled and everything in the house and all that? I, I think so. I think it was just something would have set her off if it wasn't this at some point he would have messed up. Cause even when he asked for the other paper, she was like, you ungrateful, you know? And he was like, Hey, this is great. Everything's great. You're awesome. Love you. Wonderful. You're awesome. Awesome. I just need other paper. Um, I have to be honest. I was struck with an eerie parallel. I felt in watching this movie sort of like I had a window into star Wars fandom (laughs) and that, um, you know, as soon as someone alters star Wars in a way that people don't like, they just go crazy. So it's kind of like he killed off this character and she went nuts. So sort of like in my mind, when we released the last Jedi star Wars went nuts, or when we released the prequels star Wars fandom went nuts, or when we added scenes into the originals star Wars fans went nuts. So I kind of, I think in that sense, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm only saying that half facetiously, but it's almost like watching this movie 30 years on where now the Internet and obviously the internet, the internet is the make pretend world. But on the Internet, where if a person doesn't make the movie exactly like you wanted, you have totally a offended my sensibilities. And this is my, I have ownership of this. And how dare you? So I, I think there would have been something at some point he would have added in a character with CGI and she would have lost it, you know? So I think if if that answers your question, um, I I, I think at some point she would have found something uh, because, and she actually said, I'm taking over. I'm going to do the writing. And I think that's like in her mind, she had started to lose it and, and she kind of wanted to own it. You know what I'm saying? So I'll end my comment by saying, I don't know if the intent of the the book or the movie was really to get into that whole blurring of the line between fans and, you know, where does like um, the intellectual property of the filmmaker or the writer end and the fans pick up you know like where does that handoff happen because i don't know that that necessarily was as prevalent 30 years ago but now 30 years on seeing all the stuff that comes out when people don't like how dare you've done this to my favorite whatever i am morally offended by that it that struck pretty much so i don't know if that answered your question but i used a lot of words Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. You, you, you tell everybody that Ray's parents are nobody and everybody loses their minds. I know. And then cue the Joker, you
1: know, like the Heath Ledger Joker thing, because it's yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, Stephen King, um, for Ewoks, I wanted (laughs) Wookiees, Wookiees get the sledgehammer. Mm. Uh,
3: Oh, those are going to be tiny little legs to have to smash in. You mean Boba Fett got eaten and it belched? How dare you put a belch in my Star Wars movie?
1: (laughs) James Bond can't
3: be blonde. You know, I mean, so. (laughs) Well, just wait till he's black and then see what they do. (laughs) Um, No, so Stephen King apparently... um, he, uh, I, I guess for a very long time, he didn't want to talk about why he wrote the book Misery, and uh, he he finally, after I think 20 years or so, he finally came out and said, well this, this story is actually about his battle with substance abuse. Um, that the character of Annie was supposed to be, uh, he I'm got it on IMDB right here. It says, uh, his character is a rep- Annie's character is a representation of his dependency on drugs and what it did to his body, making him feel alone, separated from everything, uh, while hobbling any attempts, he made at escape in his statement. He said he did not come out with it at the time because he wasn't ready because he was afraid it would de- detract from the story itself. So, um, well i think for us today it it does kind of give us like an interesting take on movie fandom or fandom of any kind because it's it's kind of reached a point where everybody's got an opinion and and only their opinion is valid it seems like um you know with with the way the internet goes and so i think that's i think that's an interesting way for us to kind of look and and, and maybe project that onto this movie, uh, wasn't the original intention of, of Stephen King. But I think that's something that keeps this fairly timely is that even though it's not, you know, we're not looking at it in the same way he did. Um, you know, cause that was my original thought was, I was like, I wonder if he wrote this because did he have an experience where somebody Mm -hmm. wrote to him about a book that he wrote and they were upset because of, what he did with a character. And I can only imagine being an author, you know, just as with movie directors too, you know, being an author, you, you write something that people love and maybe you don't end it the way they expected, or, you know, you don't, you don't treat a character the way you expected. Um, I was just thinking about that uh, last night, uh, Bo, you and I were talking several episodes ago. Um, Sharon and I have been watching Homeland, Mm, and yes. we are, I think we're in season four at this point. And, you know, up until season four, like I, one of the, one of the mainstays of the show is the character. Uh, it's uh, Claire Danes character of Carrie. And I was like, you know, she does some crazy stuff. She does some stuff that like, she should have been fired from the CIA, like at least 50 times over um, for all the stuff that she does. Like she is a national security threat uh, in and of herself.
2: A walking, talking national security yep. trap. Basically, yes. Like
3: in real life, she would never have, she probably would never have gotten a job with the CIA, much less ever kept her job with the CIA, no matter how good yeah, she was. How is. does
2: somebody like that get past the psychological screenings? You got to wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
3: Um, but we've kind of reached a point where in season four, and I don't want to go too much into it in case somebody hasn't watched the show yet and they want to, but we've gotten to season four and we now cannot stand her character.
2: <laughs>
3: like the things they have done with her character, we're like, are you kidding me? We even, we even said that last night we were watching a couple of the episodes and, and when the second one was done, I, I said, you know what? I don't like her character anymore. And, and my wife said, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that this wasn't how they treated her character in season one, because we wouldn't have finished season one if that's the case. You know, so it's that kind of stuff. It's I, obviously the writers had a direction they wanted to take that character and they did. Um, and that's fine. And some people may love it, but you're always, I mean, you're always going to have somebody say, well, that's not how I envision the character. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, do you take it to the extreme of, and we use Star Wars as as an example, but there's all kinds of other, you know, you also brought up James Bond and it's pretty much, if you can be a fan of something, there's always going to be, you know, some demographic within that fandom that takes things maybe a little bit too far and, and they, you know, try to. Make it very, very personal. And, and, you know, to a sense, the fact that you connect that strongly with something is great. Like, I think that's what art is supposed to be, um, that you connect very strongly with it, but, you know, take that reaction a little bit too far and you end up like Annie. Hmm.
1: And and in this case, it's incredible because that was entirely what we're talking about. This phenomenon is entirely coincidental. Annie was supposed to be like from what you're saying, a, po- a personification of his abuse of, um, you know, his his uh, chemical abuse. So it's that's interesting that you know he wrote a character that just could ha- have that. So to so um, obviously. A little bit more of an extreme example, but just so well articulate that fandom gone awry
3: or over the over the edge. Paul is in Annie's house recovering and obviously they're waiting for the weather, weather to turn better so she can call people in town to to come get him. And, uh, you know, she's she's nursing him back to health and and seems to be a a very good caregiver up to that point, Um, you know she's not a big fan of the novel that he she reads the novel that he had just finished and it was not a misery chastain novel so she wasn't a big fan of it and um not a big fan of the language you know nobody needs to talk like that um you know if you just take out some of the cock a language it would just be fine mr man
2: <laughs> that the cock <cock-a-doodie> a stuff <laughs> cracked me up yeah I think that's
3: going to have to go into the, Hey, let's just clean up that cock a language. <laughs> yeah. That was uh it was one of the scenes when John was watching it with me. And he's like, what does that even mean? I'm like, I I, I don't know. <laughs> <That even laughs> mean? I don't know. Yeah. Right. When it's she's like, in the car and she uh-huh. is like, is that <laughs> stuff that people used to say? Like, no, I don't, I don't know. God, I hope
2: not. Like, <laughs> what do you say to that? Mm-hmm.
3: First.
4: <laughs> um. No, you had, you had yeah. asked the question, and in, in now, okay, For I think we all saw, am I the only one who probably saw it in a theater then? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so I, I saw it in, yeah, the old guy. I saw it yeah. in a theater. <laughs> I remember I was 20, I think at the time, 91. Yeah, so 20. With doing some of the writing stuff, I don't know, like I thought about different things of that. Of like, when, like when you're saying, like, you were asking the question, do you think she would have gone nuts or done all this stuff to him anyway um, at some point? and i was just as you were describing her taking care of her and everything i remember him distinctively already kind of not liking her mm-hmm. and and i don't know and, and it wasn't in a way of like because he was afraid of her yet because he wasn't afraid of her he didn't like her because she was kind of and again i, I don't know if this is an author or writer type of thing and maybe i'm missing the whole point on this but um i, I kind of got the feeling and i'm not sure if stephen king is writing about this too is that like he, he didn't like his books like this guy didn't like his books the author he wanted to, to do something else
2: oh yeah he was but, done with this but,
4: character he didn't He's my fan yeah. that i have and these are the type of people that i'm writing to and she's like got the the porcelain penguins she's got like she's just she's a bit of a loon you know and he's just thinking she's like bad, like just has all these like sort of um i don't know character flaws for him that he's just thinking like i'm writing trash with you this is my life so there was already this sort of edge to him in a certain way. Like, I want to get out of here, not because he's afraid. He wanted to get out of here because he's being faced with the fact that this is the people that I write for. And I'm stuck in this. And how do I get out of it? You know, that whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure if that's making any sense. But I'm saying, like, just the whole idea of, like, his, his thought process. I wonder what he was thinking in the beginning. Because we were asking, would she, she have done all this stuff to him? But I'm also thinking... And he what what was he thinking during this before she flipped out, before she went nuts? Then it turns to fear. But he's not afraid of her for the first good part of that movie. Yeah. But he but he is disgusted by her, basically, I guess is my I guess I guess that's what I'm saying. So there's a disgust for her. And I remember almost thinking like he sort of seems a little bit like a jerk because she's this obviously kind of weird, whack, wacko eccentric, something kind of, you know. Cheesy, whatever, all the language, all that stuff. That he sort of seemed almost like just like, yeah, I don't want to be bothered by this fan because it represents this is my fan base. (laughs) I love my novels. What have I done? And it could be that, but I've also,
1: you know, you also see like, um, you know, actors that, you know, Harrison Ford hoped that they had killed off the Han Solo character uh uh daniel craig talking about you know rather, rather luridly saying what he would rather do than playing james bond again you know and, and uh, um, Obi- um, um kenobi like didn't they go to sir alec guinness famously mm-hmm. some fan with obi-wan kenobi like i love obi-wan
4: kenobi <laughs> he told him to get a life or something i mean <laughs> um, and, being and cut I, cast by something like that like even though yeah i mean us even um i don't know if it was kirk like that it was you're the star trek expert what Captain Kirk? Are you asking me or one of the other guys? Yeah, like then did he? Then he just eventually learned to embrace it, but a lot of those, a lot of them, on to get away from some of that stuff. And
2: well, <laughs> I mean, Leonard Nimoy famously wrote, "Yeah, there you go." A book. Really, I am not yeah. Spock. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, then he followed up with, "I am Spock," because um, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I think it's. I think that's where you obviously
1: you don't want a fan taking a sledgehammer to your ankles, but in the same token, that's where it kind of goes the other way where, Hey, you know what the, the guys that make the the folks that make the movie, not just guys, the people that make the movies, I mean, they don't owe me anything. If, if I don't like the direction they take it, I just don't watch the movie or read the book. I mean, that's just that, but on the flip side is, you know, You know, when I think it's just basic human understanding. Anytime you see a musician or you see an artist or a writer or something like that, this might be like, dude, you are inspiring my life and this is awesome. And, you know, this gives you a thrill or an inspiration or what, but from what they're coming at it, they could be coming at it like, dude, it's a job. And not, not to, not to put it down, but all the stresses that we all have in our jobs, they have in their jobs, you know, so it's real easy to look glamorously at Evan Halen at, you know, man, you know, look at the rock star lifestyle and all this kind of thing and avoiding the, the, the self-destructive elements of that. It takes an awful lot of work, as we all know, to be at the top of your game, you know, and so when you approach them they might, they might be a little tired and, and not to say it's okay. I mean, and that's what makes the greats great is when they can embrace the fans, you know, and always take time for them and always, you know, Oh, come on in. Let me give you a lesson. Let's jam. Let's talk. Let's, but I think sometimes with, with any of those personalities, it it just might be a job and, and it's like, I get what you're saying, but I almost think I saw it as kind of like a, yeah, thanks. Hey, that's, that's my job. I'm kind of, I'm kind of done, you know, like, I'm kind of done with that you know what I'm saying and I don't know how it would be with a writer you know because like you know if you're talking like a rock star or someone that's out in front of fans whereas a writer there's that that separation you know what I'm saying so, so I, I agree I mean I think I don't know if it was a disgust like oh man she's loony or if it was just a hey I don't normally get this close to fans thank you but this is my job I'm not you know
4: I'm just a guy and... The fact that the device that created this fan is what's helping him fight off this fan at the end or destroy her, you know, try to destroy her. So so you're saying it might have been self-defense, but it might have kind of felt good too. Yeah, like almost like therapeutic. He's like, she represents this writing that he's not actually truly proud of. It was a job for him and he wants to get away from it and be considered a real writer. And he has this lunatic that he attracted now and the battle at the end is him trying to break free from that. And then the, again, spoiler alert here. And then the end, does he really ever break free?
2: <laughs>
4: if you go to the end scene, you know, the, the end. Right. <laughs> so the waitress that comes waitress up. I'm your, I'm
2: your number one fan.
4: <laughs> and he sees it as her for like an issue. So is he ever going to really lose her? So is that always a part of him? I don't know. I just thoughts. Yeah. Well, and then an extra layer of complexity
1: when you realize—or not realize—but when you hear that this was about addiction, yeah, right, and she was his addiction uh, sh- uh, to, to chemicals, whatever drugs. You know that adds another yeah. interesting dimension. No, that's no. You bring up a really good point, John. I, I'm afraid like 20 minutes ago, I cut across <laughs> you were going to say something, and I interrupted. Did it? I hope another. you did. <laughs> what did <what'd> you say? <laughs> What would you say, Dennis? I said, John, are you still here? Oh, I'm still there. I'm letting you guys talk. <laughs> okay, I'm muting my microphone.
2: No, 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 I'm, you're good. I'm sorry, I
1: totally cut across it's you. It's a show. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the air horn? Someone just got Pat's plane. It's,
4: like it's like a cross-country Zoom meeting.
3: <laughs> You've you, been Pat's plane. You've just been Pat's plane.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, our poor, our poor third coach at
1: cross country. She's awesome. And I think she gets in two words every three practices. (laughs) If we let her. (laughs) I have a feeling that we get to talk because she lets us. I'm kind of thinking that, you know.
3: She's just biding her time. That's right. The only thing I was going to ask was if you, have you guys ever, you know, just, just thinking of this situation, have you ever actually met a celebrity? And then, you know, gone through that whole process of like, this is somebody that, you know, you maybe feel a little starstruck with it. I know that when, when our family would go to like the comic book show, we'd go to the big comic book show in Chicago. Um, They will have some celebrities there sometimes. We don't usually tend to, you know, pay money to get autographs or take pictures or anything like that. But there have been a few times where, you know, we've met some authors that we like, you know, uh, John got a chance to meet uh, R.L. Stein a few years ago and get some of his goosebumps, uh, books autographed. And, um, you know, we met Timothy Zahn a few years ago, the guy that wrote some of the star Wars books. And, uh, there's been a few times that I've met some of the different like comic book artists that like, I've been reading their books since I was a kid. Um, and I've always tried, like, I know, I know every time I go up to one of these people who is a quote unquote celebrity in their field, um, I know that when I am going up there to either get an autograph or, you know, buy one of their books or, or, or buy a print that they're selling or something like that. Um, there's always this thought in the back of my mind. I'm like, play it cool. Mm-hmm. Play it cool. Like, don't, don't like, they probably hear people like nerd out and geek out all the time. And that probably gets on their nerves. So just, you know, treat them like a human being like just have a conversation ask them how their day has gone you know that and i i run that through my head like every time before i would go up and like meet the person get their autograph whatever i just be like i'm i don't want to go into this whole like gushing thing of oh i love everything you've ever done and this is amazing and this is a you know i so that's my kind of my reaction to you know meeting somebody that i'm maybe a little little starstruck uh, but have you guys ever had that kind of experience where like you met somebody that you you know, you admired, or you had you had a chance to meet a celebrity, or anything like that.
1: I've had, but I've talked a bunch, so I'll let Dennis and Bo uh, jump in there first. But
2: not. I'm trying to think. Not that comes to mind. Like I, because I've never really met a big time celebrity. A lot of local celebrities, a lot of athletes, Bears players, and whatnot. And I think growing up in the area sort of desensitized me to that. So maybe that was never a thing. So I don't know that I've ever had that star struck moment, but I think it's because I've never really been in the presence of that level of celebrity. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I could certainly see it being really hard to say anything to like, we'll use Daniel Craig. I mean, talk about somebody who I would have no idea what I would say. (laughs) Like, I have no idea.
4: (laughs) <laughs> but I loved it
2: a lot. <laughs> right? Like, I don't even know.
3: I like a lot. I like it. You'd
4: um, li- li- <laughs> be, like sling- be like, we're not worthy.
2: Right. I mean, that's kind of how you start to feel.
3: It'd be like, Sling Blade, I like the way you talk. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've never been caught up in the whole celebrity thing for some reason. I think even when we were kids, like I remember the honestly one of the biggest ones, and my brother was always shy about going to do things. I remember my dad yelling at my brother at a Chicago White Sox to go down and get an autograph from Mr. T. Mm -hmm. and he was like younger and he was afraid to go down there and see Mr. T and he had the chains and he was like by behind home plate there, right by the fence. And, and so Doug, my brother, he just could have ran down and he could have got the autograph, but he was afraid. So my dad's like, get down. And it was like this hysterical thing to go get the autograph. And then Doug was afraid, you know, so he's afraid of going to get the autograph and at that age it was just, we used to make fun of him how he's afraid of Mr. T um, for years after that. But it was just to me, what I also saw in that was like, people all hungering to get a baseball player or a musician and get that autograph. And I always think, what do you do with that? And really, does it, well, I I guess I, from an outside perspective, I always saw that and I thought they're really not different than us. They do something really well and that's super cool. But like you said, they're just a person like everybody else. So therefore I never was probably in, enthralled or in awe and i've met a few musicians and stuff um after after places and usually just tell them kind of what maybe what their music meant or but i I don't go into a whole big oh my god you know worship thing mainly because i feel like that makes them feel uncomfortable from what i observe yeah Mm -hmm. that what do you say when somebody's doing that oh thank you and you know i'm some people i guess eat that up and love that but i think most celebrities who I typically would follow or be into, or, or, you know, like I, um, John, how about Heath Ledger? Um, mm-hmm. when we were at, uh, the extra thing, I just remember, you know, as extras, you're not supposed to go up and try to get autographs and talk to him and do all that stuff. But there were a few people who broke the rule that day and right. went up to him and kind of got that. And they didn't like, you know, drop at his feet and start, you know, kissing his feet or anything. But you can sort of tell he's smoking a cigarette. He's off to the side. He's in between shots. And he's got people come up and he was very, very nice and, and generous, but you could tell he, he has to kind of muster that to like, I'm, I'm in my role. I'm in my space right now. I got people coming up telling me, you know, like all these things. I just felt like, why would I want to do that to that actor if I really like them? Right. You know, that they're a human being first and they're doing a job and it's really cool. It's nice to see him, but I'm not going to sit there and like kiss their ass or go up and like beg them, you know, for anything and bother yeah. them. Yeah. But unfortunately there's the paparazzi and there's all those things. And we have a celebrity uh, culture that's full of that type of worship.
1: I'm going to talk fast and you guys can feel free to edit out any of these types of things. But the earliest one, I'm going to tell one that my mom told Uh, her good friend and her uh, were at a bar out in California when my mom was interning out there, she was music therapy and her good friend, um, and we, they were like thick as thieves in college. And they were at some place, I think it was, they were in somewhere in California and in walks Sly Stallone. And this was like mid seventies, Sly Stallone and in walked Sly Stallone and her friend and my mom would tell the story up until last year when my mom would sit there and tell the story and they were sitting there and she says, I'll never remember when my friend was sitting there, just leaned over, looks up to Sly Stallone, yells across the bar. Hey, Sly why don't you buy us a couple of drinks? And he turns around, comes walking up. Sure thing, ladies. And as he comes walking up, all of a sudden, all the ah, girls came in and his security guards, like bodyguards got him and right out of the right. And my mom was like, I was that close to having a drink with sliced (laughs) alone. Um, And then apparently I vaguely remember this, but my dad was flying in from a business trip and my mom took me and my brother and sister to the airport and we met Whoopi Goldberg. And apparently she came up to my mom and was like, Oh my gosh, look at these children or something. And I, I mean, I vaguely remember it, but like just for a couple of seconds, she talked to Whoopi Goldberg and, and uh, you know, so just little interactions like that. Um, I, I got to a, I got to go see a bears game. Um, and then my buddies was good friends with, um, um, uh, someone that like the, I, I think it was, they were friends with the owners, but not directly. It was like they, the brother, the, the owner's brother, something like that, the McCaskies. So we got to go down in the parking garage underneath and go around and meet the different bears players. And, uh, it was, it was interesting. I mean, you know, uh, uh Richard Dent was pretty entertaining. Steve McMichael was very, very scary. Uh, and and we just like, we just go around and, and talk to the different ones. And, and so that was kind of a cool thing. And I mean, I was a kid, so I mean, you just kind of like do as you're told and just, sir, you know, can I have your autograph? Thanks so much. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, I remember it was pretty cool uh, Maynard Ferguson was, is my favorite trumpet player. I mean, he's the reason that I went into music. Um, and I got a chance when I was a senior in high school to meet him down at the jazz showcase in Chicago. And I just walked up to his tour manager and just said, Hey, is there any way I could meet Maynard Ferguson? And they're like, yeah, why don't you hang out here? And then there was this bachelor party. So you talk about a good influence on an 18 year old kid,
2: <laughs>
1: the bachelor party that was partying at the jazz showcase. I wasn't partying with them, but like we were all, and we got to go up and meet Maynard Ferguson and he was like so cool. And I just said, and I just said, thank you. I just said, Hey, you know, you're a huge influence on me wanting to do this and thank you so much. And I, you know, and, uh, and I was, I was nervous, you know, like my tongue was, you know, and then they're like, okay, well, thanks. And the tour manager's like, okay. You know, and kind of ushering me out I turned and walked into the closet. I mean, it was like right out of a movie, like trying to leave the hotel room. I like, got. uh, he's like, well, you can't go out that way. That's what we keep the coats so why don't you know um that's awesome but then a lot of the other things like you know being able to like i met adolf herseth doc severinson like after shows you know like they just come by and and i just try to i just try to keep it cool just be like hey thank you thank you so much um thank you for your music thank you for you know anytime you know i've met a couple of like you know motorcycle racers you know when they're in line for you know autographs and stuff there was one funny incident at an IndyCar race, we were down in mid Ohio, uh, for an IndyCar race. And mid Ohio is, uh, a little bit rustic. It's an awesome track. So any of our Ohio fans, mid Ohio, fantastic sport, uh, race track. So it was right before they go out on the grid, right? It's a little rustic. And so we had our blanket up and we were up in the hillside, you know, watching the turns. My family was there. My brother, every, you know, I think my brother was working in IndyCar at the time or I, whatever. But I just was like, I ran over to the bathroom and it was like very rustic. So it was like basically an outhouse right off the main street. Well, I'm sitting there at the, uh, at the, at the urinal and I'm just kind of doing my thing. And you know, you, you don't look around at those places and all that kind of stuff, but you kind of keep your peripheral vision just to make sure, okay, who's coming in, you know, who's behind, you know, just all that. All of a sudden I look down and I realize that's a really fancy pair of shoes in the stall. And I look down, I'm like. Those are driving boots. And I kind of glance over to the other side. There's another pair of driving boots. And then I kind of like, I just kind of did that. I'm standing up, I kind of do the look over thing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Alex Tagliani. Then I look over and I that's max pap the entire IndyCar field all the drivers were coming into the bathroom to do one final pit stop before jumping into their cars and going off to racing and this wasn't like the local you know local drivers i mean these were like the IndyCar car drivers there weren't they weren't like private bathrooms at the racetrack they all used the public so i'm sitting in the can with like the entire IndyCar field and i'm like i don't know what the heck to say other than <laughs> i hope to god i don't pee on any feet so i just kind of like walked over and washed my hands and i'm like like holy crud there's like 22 of the most talented drivers ever and i just before i left i'm like good luck just everybody stay safe thank you so much and i walked out and they're all like in the midst and they're like uh yeah thanks like dude, <laughs> they're breaking guy code and so uh that was you know i i, I got a chance to meet like the entire IndyCar car field <laughs> and nice. i was telling the story and my brother's like yeah you probably weirded them all out because they're like who the heck is this jerk that's like staring at me when i'm trying to take a leak nobody else take a leak next to any celebrities Well, there's a, um, Bob Collins, you remember the radio Bob Collins? Um, we knew the, we knew the director that did a lot of the shows down at, um, auditorium theater. So when Miss Saigon was in town, I got to sit in the pit for Miss Saigon and Bob Collins was the other guest in the pit. So that was kind of cool sitting next to him. And, you know, I didn't, I was a little bit younger, so I just kind of, he rode motorcycles. So I just asked him about that and, you know, and so that was kind of a cool thing, but sorry you could probably edit all that out but those are just kind of funny
4: things i just like i said i actually, I actually did take a leak next to a fairly decent celebrity oh, tommy okay. gun tommy Morrison. Nice. yeah awesome <laughs> the chicago golden gloves and i'm um, taking a leak and the next thing i stand next to me is him and, and i had a leather kind of bombardier jacket on and with a flag and stuff and and um it was weird it was just like you know just kind of like i remember we kind of made we after we took a leak and watching answer kind of walking out towards it, I just kind of made it, we made eye contact and I kind of just sort of was like, Hey, you know, how's yeah. it going? And he was like, Hey, I was going back. And that was it. And then that was pretty much it. Yeah. I remember the back in my mind, probably because I was 20 something and, you know, also boxing. I was thinking, man, he's not so big, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, "Dude, I- but he's not so big because <laughs> he didn't seem that big. It was so weird. He didn't seem, he seemed about. he's like six, two and two, two 15 or something like that. But yeah. And that's about what I was. I was 6'3", something I was just thinking, man, he looks huge on TV. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, a couple other celebrities, Double Door downtown. A lot of people I've seen have been kind of low-key celebrities, like more indie type of stuff. And they're just regular people, so you don't get that vibe. I think ever since the Princess Die thing, um, which I think was 25, 26 when that happened, the whole celebrity culture just made me think, like, how silly it is that people mm-hmm. literally will go that crazy for the picture, the photo of somebody in and, and this case. Um, you know, causing her death, so or being being part of her death at the high speed chase type of thing. So I kept thinking, I'm not going to do that to people. Yeah, my way to not. You're just, you know, I'll say hi. I, I have talked to a few celebrities where I'll email them or some. Yeah. It's interesting. I got Bill Cartwright's
1: autograph one time at at a show downtown auditor. I was down with my parents. We were seeing a, maybe we were seeing Miss Saigon or Les Mis or something, but my folks and I were separate. Like I was in one seat and they were, they were in like some other seats and they, they're like, Hey, Hey, and they're, you know, kind of not like whispering because they are like on the other side of like the row, but they're getting my attention, you know, as only parents could do. And they start pointing. Bill Cartwright was sitting like five rows in front of me, and they're like, Bill Cartwright. And I'm like, oh, wow. And they kept pointing. And I'm like, yeah, I see it's Bill Cartwright. Play it cool. And then they kept pointing. And I'm like, they want me to get his autograph. Oh God, I can't. No mom, dad, what are you doing? They kept pointing. And then I get up and as I'm going, they kept making faces. And I'm just like, why are they like being so insistent? I get his autograph. So I walk down and I'm like, "Uh, excuse me, Mr. Cartwright. And, And this was like right in the middle of like the repeat, repeat, like all that. I'm just like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, why are my parents making me do this? Okay. And so he's, he gives me this look like, okay, kid, you know you're almost too old to be doing you know and he he signs my program and i'm like sir thank you so much enjoy the show i won't trouble you again and i sit down my mom comes up to me afterwards what were you doing getting his autograph just leave the man alone i said you were telling me to get his autograph we were telling you not to get his autograph you know like last crusade go around the boats not through them are you crazy go through between them And so I have Bill Cartwright's autograph on a stage bill down t- downstairs. Um, but it was funny because my folks were telling me, just look, play it cool. And I was like, what? Get the autograph? Are you serious? Oh God. But you, you know, your parents are telling you to do it. What are you going to say? No, you can't say no to mom and dad. But they were telling me no. And I misunderstood.
3: So that was, I felt bad. i was just like, oh God, I embarrass this guy. I just was surprised that your story didn't have you like in, during intermission going and taking a leak and then seeing Bill Cartwright. <laughs> Right, that's the story about Paul I, Newman. I, I thought that was uh, you took a leak next to. I, I feel like now uh, we need the little bell for like what is the episode title? <laughs> yeah, taking a leak. Apparently, <laughs> this episode title is taking a leak with Paul Newman, which could be its Whoa. own podcast.
2: Bill <laughs> used to come into the lantern a lot. He's cool.
3: Yeah, hmm. yeah, he
1: seems like a, a really cool guy. I um, no, Paul um. Paul Newman told a story and there's some, I think it's like a radio DJ like, or something that, this this Chicago DJ, his wife said, There goes Paul Newman, get his autograph. And he's like, I can't do that. There he goes, into the bathroom, get his autograph. and the guy followed him into the bathroom and asked for his autograph. And then later, Paul Newman gave this interview and said, I decided to stop giving autographs and I've just it's gotten too far. Someone followed me into the bathroom. And it was this this other celebrity, like his wife put him up to it. You I I'll look that up and try and get it. But it was like Paul Newman, and he he doesn't like uh you know being in you know what i'm saying like in a, and this guy followed him into the bathroom to get the autograph but anyways you know famous famous people that have gone to the bathroom <laughs> I,
3: i'm so excited that that's what the misery episode has turned into that
2: is a total other podcast right there it's, control
3: yeah. this podcast john <sighs> it's not, but it's it's the pat and dennis show <laughs> <laughs> It's like the zooming. Pat's the host. I'm the co-host. We started talking about misery and then it very quickly turned into taking a leak with Paul Newman.
2: (laughs) Come and see our journey.
1: Hmm. Hey, speaking of misery, uh, when does Alec Baldwin show up in this thing?
3: Uh, It's that monologue, like towards the very, very end. (laughs) It's really famous. Well, so anyway, we can very, well, very Peggy quickly. Peggy
2: Marshalls.
3: It's, it was, yeah. Night. Yeah. It's Marshall, night. Marshall Dillon. Um, <clears throat> Frank Marshall. Buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so as we, we, we kind of got a little sidetracked from the, uh, the actual plot of the movie here, but that's okay. Cause you know, everyone's um, sorry. That, that's all right.
2: Sidetrack is what we do.
3: That's we don't really have a track. It's you can't get sidetracked when there's not really a track to begin with. Um, so, so anyway, when she's, uh, she kind of confronts him about this screenplay or not screenplay for this book that he's written that she does not care for, uh, actually forces him to burn it so that he can focus on the misery Chastain novels. Uh, and that's where things start to take a turn. At least, you know, we, we've kind of figured ahead of time that, you know, there's some stuff that's wrong here she's and uh, for she's, she's a little cock Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. and, uh, Mr. Man and um so this is kind of where things start to take a, a very distinctive turn and um mm-hmm. then she starts to read uh, then she she gets a copy of his latest misery book and uh finds out that he killed the main character and that's when she really just kind of takes a step off the edge there and um yeah, so that's when she forces him to burn the the manuscript and, and he kind of starts he bluffs about it a little bit that he's got another copy of it somewhere she knows because she knows him so well. She's his number one fan. He does not make copies because he's uh he's very superstitious about it. And so um, you know, she she then goes and gets him, you know, the whole thing with the paper that smudges, and she goes to get him uh some supplies from town. He's got the typewriter that doesn't have the letter N. And um you know she's she's going to kind of force him to write a new novel in which uh misery is brought back to life you get kind of the b plot of uh officer buster uh who is kind of putting together some of these little clues and uh and and his uh very frisky wife slash deputy um <laughs> <laughs> which I, those guys were hilarious. Like those two characters, they were hilarious in, in the midst of this movie. That's not a funny movie. Um, you know, just to have those little moments of, of levity just with the two of them, uh, was, was very funny. And, uh, so as they're searching for him, everybody's assumed that Paul is dead. Um, but he, you know, he knows something's not quite right. And so he starts doing a little bit of research on this as well as the uh, as paul is writing this new novel uh annie is very happy about it um but she knows that eventually he's gonna you know he's gonna heal and then he's gonna leave so in one of the very famous <sighs> scenes of the movie um in fact at that point i had never seen this movie before watching it for the podcast this time really but, wow. yeah but this i knew is... that scene oh, okay and john was sitting there well, watching I mean, that's
2: it. i think it's it shows up in lists of top scenes all the time I oh mean, yeah that's-
3: yeah and so john is sitting there watching it with me and it comes up to that scene and <laughs> she starts to reach for the sledgehammer and <laughs> and i said um i said uh you know um you sure you want to watch this he's like oh yes yeah, so i love stephen king I'm like, okay cool uh she takes that she puts the 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 block between his legs and he's like what's she doing and I it's like well um once he heals, he won't be there anymore. And, and she wants to kind of keep him there. So what's that block going to do? He said, well, you're just going to have to watch. She takes that first swing and you see his foot turn in the way that it does. <laughs> and John kind of, I couldn't tell if he was going to pass out or throw up or I don't know what he was going to do. But he just kind of the look on his face He's like, oh, oh, dude, no. <laughs> And I was like, yep. And, and he's got one more leg. He's like, no, I don't. And then thankfully you didn't see her hit the other leg, but yeah. Yeah. As he, uh, he had quite a reaction to that one, but I mean, a very, very famous scene in the movie when she takes a sledgehammer to his legs.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I know everybody, I, it's interesting. I, I saw this just recently with my daughter about oh, maybe about four or five months ago it was. And, um, you know, and it, and it held, held up pretty well, but it wasn't as, when I say good is, I don't want to say the word good because then it's making it seem like it's bad. It wasn't as, um, as tense for me as obviously, cause you know, the story. And I think back when you see that for the first time in a theater and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that my memories, I don't know what the exact release date was, but it was, I'm guessing winter. It was a winter time. There was snow on the ground. So it was kind of like he was stuck in that same situation. Mm-hmm. When, when you, you're in a theater, you, saw you just the experiencing yeah. I saw it in a theater. Yeah, so it, I I want to say it, out, was, it, was it was November, December, December, something like yeah, that. It was November August. 30th. Okay. So yeah. So that, that's what I remember. And that adds to it. Um, just like seeing independence day, literally on the 4th of July, we saw that when it mm-hmm. came out in theaters and it was a packed crowd and it was, you know, it's yep. cheesy movie, but it was still the, the experience when you talked about like, you know, we we're hoping theaters don't go away. So many movies, you see how the effect that being in the theater actually has on whether versus seeing it in in, in, a, in a, in your house or your home. Um, but I, I, back then my rating would have been probably, yeah, a three and a half out of four. Um, now it's probably like, you know, probably a three out of four something like that, maybe two and a half. It's a good movie. It still held up well, I think. But, um, I can see where you guys are kind of like, yeah, it was okay. It was good. It's a good movie, you know, but not phenomenal. Um, but back then, I remember it feeling like pretty phenomenal because I was kind of excited to let my daughter see it. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, it was good, but it wasn't didn't pack the same punch back then. Um, I remember the crowd and the audience just... People turning away when he, when, when the sledgehammer hits, like, I mean, like literally there were people almost getting sick over that and, and you know, it. you, you don't think it's going to happen just like you don't think with what's going to happen with Buster. You think he's going to be a hero. Like there's so many setups in there and disappointments and you feel stuck just like he's stuck and you're, you know, it was winter time. It was cold at the time. I think uh, like probably twenties and thirties, even out with some snow on the ground. And it just kind of, that whole experience. Translates well into that movie and makes it more more effective than it would be now on a DVD player or something in your house. I think seeing it with a crowd definitely. Because I remember
1: seeing it. Man, I don't know. I, I was uh, this came out in 1990, so. <laughs> I probably I, I didn't see it in the theater, but a couple of years after probably at a buddy's house sleepover, you know, just sitting there watching this movie late at night with a couple of friends and all being like freaked out. And, ah! You know, I think that definitely helps, you know to have those, all the jump scares and all the, like you said, all the setups, if
4: you can share that with someone that, that definitely makes it, uh, you well, know, just the tension of the tension of him, like when he's trying to get things and do things when she's gone and she's coming back and you're seeing her pulling up and you're seeing him trying to, and things are going wrong and you drop this or, you, you know, and there's all those little kind of, it's just that, that suspense that's there, that's perfectly crafted, you know, I think by obviously Stephen King and then on screen by Rob Reiner, it just, the audience, I remember gasping like, hey, right, right, like you're in your thing going, get back, get back, get back, get no, no, just don't, don't leave that, leave that, just get back in the bed, no, you know, like whatever it was, and, and he's sitting there struggling to get there. Um, And my daughter, I remember my daughter was just one person now in that room with me, but she was still sort of saying the same thing, like, like you're just she can't walk in no 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 like you're just you, you're pulling from every step of the way because you're you're stuck just like him
1: yeah you definitely see I, I mean in my mind you definitely see like the awesome story of from stephen king and just being so well like they are in lockstep with whoever wrote the screenplay and then did did ron Ryder write the screenplay too
4: i don't know no, was william goldman Hey,
1: well, between I, I would, you know, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you got the guy that wrote the novel, you got the guy who wrote the screenplay and you got the guy and the director that's bringing it to life. They all seem to be in lockstep of how to best tell the story. I mean, because all those points definitely, and I kind of knew what was coming, but I mean, I was still like, you know, when there were times that he'd kind of like wake up and she was like standing over him, man, I still jumped, you know? <laughs> and I, and, and to get this, to get this in before the podcast, like i I, I didn't sit down and watch it. I kind of had it going on my cell phone and I still got freaked out. You know, I'm like doing the dishes and like looking at my
4: cell phone and that those things still packed a wall up. Well, yeah. and I think the, I think the whole, uh, coming back to the theme of, you know, with the October movies and the horror movies, I mean, I've discussed it before, but I think one of the best things a horror movie can do is not insult the audience. And when, when I mean by insult the audience is, if you see people doing stupid things on the on the screen, it's less scary for me. Because you're making the wrong move. I would have done this. You should have done that. Well, now you're doing that. You know, so you basically don't get caught up in it. But when you're in that character like he is, and you're stuck like him, and he's kind of doing everything I probably would have done, and it's still not working, and he's stuck and you're thinking, That's when you're scared, and that's when you're you're in there on the along for the ride with him because um, he's basically doing everything he's, he's in a, in a smart situation where it's like, he was in an accident, you know, he wakes up and he's at the mercy of this person. There's really what, no, you know, what what else can he do? Like, so I don't think there's any move that he didn't make or, or made that I'm thinking, well, that's not something I would have tried or that was dumb. Mm-hmm. So I think when it's a smart movie like that, it becomes that more effective because us as audience members are thinking, well, man, that he's really in a pickle because, I don't know how you get out of this one. How's this going to end? So I think that makes us, you know, join the, um, join in for the ride a little bit more versus something that's like stupid. Okay. You could have just picked up that and called the the police, or you could have just walked out and done it. Don't go in there. You know, like when it's those type of movies, you're kind of like, okay, this is just, I'm disconnected from it. But when it's like this, you're, you're definitely involved in it a little bit more. Yeah. And you're, and then when you start seeing people go like Buster, then you're sitting there thinking, man, like he might not survive this. Like I wasn't sure, you know, and I don't know if you guys, when you first watched it, when we were in the theater, I didn't know if he was going to live. I was hoping, but I w- it wasn't like a gimme where everybody seems to live
3: in there. You know, like there were people dying. And- Is that, and I'll admit, I, I haven't seen a ton of Stephen King movies. I mean, I've seen pet cemetery It. you know, some of these others, but that was a thing where when I was watching this with John and, and that was the first time I had seen this, um, when busters in the house, like, part of me am I, I i might have even said this out loud to john i was like no nope, no nope. see somebody's showing up and trying to help it's a stephen king movie he's not going to come out of this alive like yeah. is, is that a, i mean it and i the very few stephen king movies i've that actually was watched so nice building that
4: relationship like that the, he was
3: funny and yeah. you know like that's
4: why that was a tough one if, if it would have yeah. just been a normal guy that walks in or a sheriff that you don't really know but when they kind of already build that character a little mm-hmm. bit you see him Investigating this, and he's got the sense of humor, and he just seems like this nice old neighborly, you know, guy. You're thinking you can't just kill this guy off, yeah. and then, and you do. i like, gee, thanks. Sure, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. I wrote him. I can kill him. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So yeah. I, obviously, he uh, he gets shot in the back with uh, with a rifle. He ends up dead. Um, and then we reached, uh, kind of the, the final segment of the movie here, uh, Annie is just completely losing it. Um, she's going to kill Paul and herself. Paul has, they've discovered over, a, a you know, a little bit of time here that she was, uh, she was the dragon lady, that she was, a, a nurse at a hospital where there were a lot of infant deaths and, and, uh, you know, that she, she made some comments earlier in the movie that made it sound like, um, you know, she may have done something to her husband. Uh, at some point in the past, too, she kind of alluded just a couple things here and there. And uh, she made a comment about, you know, somebody not believing her when she was at the trial. Um, you know, so a few things that that kind of, you know, red flag moments, as as we like to say. Um, and uh, yeah, so it reached the very end and, and she's going to kill Paul and herself. And uh, he kind of, you know, he kind of begs her to to let him finish the novel at least and she does uh and then when he does finish it he lights it on fire in front of her and she just kind of she completely loses it uh he smashes her over the head with the typewriter uh they fight a little bit and then in the very end uh paul kills annie and then as we've already mentioned um we have it's a little bit of time later that he's been saved his new novel is you know it's a hit and um you know they're they're in the restaurant with his publisher and you had the other person that was a waitress walk up and say, are, are you Paul Sheldon? Oh, I'm your number one fan. And then, like we said, that's, that's kind of the moment where, you know, that, um, and I think he even says as part of a, was a voiceover or him saying it, that, um, you know, she's always, Annie's always going to be a part of him from this point on. Um, which is interesting. I didn't, I didn't know about this being, um, a symbol of Stephen King's, um, substance abuse battle uh, until after I had watched the movie. So now that's kind of like knowing that I I would be curious to go back and rewatch the movie and see how much of that kind of picks up with, I know it's the movie, it's not the novel. So there's going to be things that are different about it, but, um, yeah, so that's, we, we get the end of the movie and Paul is alive, but he's always going to carry this experience with him and he may never quite be the same. So, all right. Well, do we, be, before we get into our three questions, do we have any other things that we want to say about misery? No, I think, uh, I think we covered
4: probably, I, I think it's going back to that title too. I wonder why the title misery mm-hmm. is misery has stayed again as a writer is misery just because he's being here tortured. Like what's the, you know, interesting it has a double meaning to it, but I was just thinking of that. Or named after the
3: pig. Yeah. Or named after the yeah. pig. Mm-hmm.
2: You're named after the pig. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we named the pig misery. <laughs> okay. I I got to tell this story real quick because I think it's, I can't decide if it's inappropriate. Well, not inappropriate. It's not the right word. Um, offensive or not. So I'll let you guys be the judge of this. Um, there is a, so my family used to live in Southwest Missouri and since they've, they've kind of moved away and we're in different parts. I still have family that live kind of in that area, but, um, we would be in Springfield, Missouri, and there was this Japanese restaurant that was in Springfield, Missouri. And I kept seeing the sign for it, but I never actually said the name of the restaurant out loud. And it was, um, it was like M I Z U R I. And I was like, oh, I've never been to that Japanese restaurant before. And we'd drive by it for years and years and years. And finally, I, I kind of said the name out loud and I was like, are you kidding me? They just took the word Missouri and made it sound like it was a Japanese restaurant. It, Miz, Missouri, Missouri. I'm like, that's, so this name, the, the, the misery movie made me think of Missouri and being there like around my family. And, th- and uh, it, it actually made me think of this comedian. Cause then we'd, we'd see that sign. I was like, well, I guess if you, if you said it in like a stereotypical Japanese, like samurai accent, Missouri, then I guess it, it kind of fits. And I don't know if you guys ever listened to the comedian Tom Segura, yeah yeah he's got a bunch of specials on netflix and uh, he has this one where um he talks about going to, to go to a hotel and check in and the guy's like uh you know, the guy's like he looks at my name and he goes sagura you japanese <laughs> and he's like no do i look japanese and he looks very white um he's like sagura he's like No, I'm not Japanese. I was like, but your name looks Japanese. It's like, well, if you say it that way, of course it's going to sound Japanese. (laughs)
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's funny. That made me think of that Japanese restaurant. Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. (sighs) They tried so hard. So hard. But did they? A A for Uh, effort. mm. Well, we'll give them an air horn. (laughs) They tried and failed. All right. All right. Well, on that note, we got some three questions. I want to play a game. The artist travel on What's your favorite scary movie? What,
0: well, were they psychos? They look like psychos? Is that what they
1: look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them.
2: I don't give a f- how crazy they are. Please, mister, this is insane. Boy, the next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant... Because it's definitely getting chiseled on your tombstone.
3: Were they psychos? <laughs> that's just, what's. oh, that's fantastic. They, they were vampires. They look like psychos they Were vampires. Psychos do not burst into flames when sunlight hits them. I don't give up how crazy they are. <laughs> ah, feel like that some days. All right, question number one. Is there an author you'd like to meet? could be books, could be screenplays. Could be, do they have to be alive? Uh, no, you can dig them up. Yeah. Tom Clancy. Okay. Oh,
4: good choice. Yes. Lewis.
3: Mm. Yes.
2: Well played, sir.
4: I do have Peter Egan. I think John's going to maybe pick this. Maybe not, but I do have a runner's up just out of a, a weird curiosity. The other one is more of a respectable, you know, like, like, but this, and and, uh, this one's true respect to, but this would be just kind of bizarre. So let me see what John says. No,
3: no, no. I'm, I'm probably going to go with one. Yeah. I'm going to go with something different. Um, I would go Raymond Carver. Okay. Very different.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. (laughs) That'd be a good one. Mm. Just out of a weird curiosity, just to see what that dude was like in real life. Yeah if you've not seen and i cannot remember I don't really what i want to hang out with him too much but just enough to
3: say like okay right that was him huh just you know just enough for him to spout a little poetry to you <laughs> <laughs> yep. so dennis once upon a midnight dreary while i pondered weak and weary <laughs> i um no, there's this guy that uh, I took John maybe like three years ago, two, three years ago. Now there was this guy that was like, a he was a one man stage show and he spent the first 20 minutes of his show, um, putting on the costume, putting on the makeup, everything else. And as he was doing all that, he was explaining how he got into acting and how he got into impersonating different, um, celebrities. Like he had a show where he did, I think it was Einstein and he had another show where he did, Abraham Lincoln. This show was Edgar Allan Poe. And after the first 20 minutes, once he had gotten the makeup on, he had gotten completely dressed while he was talking about his own personal history. The moment he finished putting everything on, he was right into Edgar Allan Poe character. And at that point, he pretended as if he was Edgar Allan Poe, you know, kind of giving a presentation to a, a room full of patrons who wanted to hear about his poetry and, and things like that. And, and I mean, this guy, he was doing it completely from memory. So he recited, um, the Raven, he recited Annabelle Lee. I think he told the telltale heart, um, but I mean, recited the entire thing from memory. And, uh, this guy, like he does this, he does this with schools. Like you can, you know, schools can hire him to come in and do it. But I mean, it was really cool. And, and he was, you know, he, he knew his stuff. Like he knew, uh, you know, probably as close as you could get to sitting down and listening to Edgar Allan Poe talk about his life and and recite some of his works. I mean, that was that was probably about as close as you could get. That was really cool. They did that um it was here. I think it was at like the community center here in the town that I live in, um during I think it was like the week leading up to Halloween, a couple of years ago. So we wanna go see that. It was, it was very, very cool. All right, question number two what is the worst injury you have ever had? Dennis, would you like to take this one? So I,
4: when I read that question, I knew this was specifically, uh, <laughs> it was going to happen. <laughs> Which do I pick? There's three, <laughs> you know, um, oddly enough, the one that almost killed me, I guess, uh, isn't the one that I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the broken ribs and collapsed lung thing, bike injury thing was, uh, was probably has to be the worst on a objective scale, but I think I'm going to go back and still say an ankle injury. My first injury ever was an ankle injury. And that's why probably maybe I cringed in this movie when he gets his ankles uh, chopped like that. But, um, my right ankle, I was a baseball player at the time and probably throwing the best I was throwing prime for a good year coming up. And I was playing some pickup basketball games. I came down on somebody else's foot, my brother, um, with all my weight on one foot and it just, it just collapsed. And I remember trying to stand back up and just falling right back down and thinking, wait, what? this isn't working. You know, I felt like the guy, um, I don't know. I just it, it was just like in in uh, what's the um, uh, the war movie? Um, where the guy's walking around with his arm. <laughs> it just sort of <laughs> felt like I was like, "What's going on here? Like, what just happened to me? Like, how do I put this back on?" Um, Saving Private Ryan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When there's the be- with the beach scene, and you see some guy yep. who's like in a daze. It was just like, "What happened?" I literally like was just trying to stand up, and I kept falling down. My, my leg, my ankle was just like non-existent. And, uh, ended up being a pretty nasty, you know, right. First time I think I went to the doctor for any injury whatsoever. I was about, I think it was 19 or 20, but I, I had probably post-traumatic stress from that thing because it was it signed line of baseball career, um, and, and totally shelved it eventually. And and it was just something that I never mentally or uh, physically recovered from for at least a few years. I wrote a paper about it a couple of years later in a psychology class and that's how so i would say that would be my worst because it was the most it was the first big injury i ever had it was the most traumatic i mean i've had knee one worse and the ribs are worse but i think i've learned to deal with them (laughs) so those are not as they're not they weren't as damaging that one was the most damaged because it was the first time i was like wow uh, i can get hurt yeah yeah. I had blood pulled all the way up my ankle and calf. Like you couldn't see, you know, mm-hmm. inside it was just, I, I couldn't sleep that night. It was constant throbbing and I never go to the doctor. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I need to go to the doctor. I think this isn't good. And then it was mismanaged and uh, with the HMO and um, didn't heal properly and ended up having open ankle surgery. It was just a, it was a two or three year battle basically with an ankle. And if you saw my ankle now, it looks like I have a nose sticking out of the side of my foot. <laughs> so there you go. That's what you put that question in for. I hope you enjoyed it.
3: (laughs) No, I didn't actually even know if you were going to be on the show. So that was not specifically for you. That's a good point. (laughs) I actually kind of thought I was like, well, I mean, if Dennis is on here, he's going to kind of Trump everybody, but you know, (laughs) know, I think, I think so. Maybe not, but you never know. Yeah. Gents. Well, I'll go the other end of the spectrum. Like I've never broken a bone. Like I've never. I've never had a serious injury at all. So I mind is going to be very tame by comparison. Um, I'll go with one from when I was about three years old and uh, we had family. that was, I know my parents were getting ready to go to a wedding and uh, we had family that was coming over and um, we had, uh, I think it was like along the bottom of the front door. There was like a little metal strip uh, along the bottom of the front door of our house and it must have kind of come loose a little bit and so the doorbell rang and I think I knew it was my my aunt and uncle and uh, so I you know a little guy three maybe four years old ran up to go answer the door and as I pulled the door open they pushed the door open and it went right over my foot oh, it, it kind of yeah. sliced up the top of my foot and that of hurts. course didn't feel great. You know, I'm probably bleeding everywhere. And then, uh, they got to go take me to the doctor and the doctor's got to, you know, give me the stitches and everything else. And, and I was not, uh, what's the best way I can put this? Um, I did not like The whole doctor hospital type situation and so they actually had to have a whole handful of people hold me down so that they could put the stitches in because i was just this little like screaming three or four year old just kicking everywhere i think i told the nurse i was going to kill them you know i I don't know what but um it was it was probably kind of like the scene out of the exorcist and they were all trying to hold me down and get these stitches in me and um, the only good thing that came out of it was my uncle felt so guilty about it that he bought me the uh, Ewok Village playset and uh the Jabba the Hutt playset. I got a whole bunch of Star Wars toys out of this whole thing. I think I got the Rancor. Um, so so I got a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff out of this whole arrangement. I just had to slice my foot up to to get that. So you're done. Yeah, yeah but no, I have never, I've never broken a bone. I've never, I'm going to knock on every piece of wood that's around too, here. Which is, I did. Yeah. Know. I mean, the only, the only football injury I ever had was I can't, um, I can't do too much with, uh, like throwing something anymore. I like dislocated, partially dislocated my shoulders dozens of times playing football. Um, you know, which re- really hurt, but it was never serious enough that I had to like, go have surgery or anything like that they did kind of tell me at one point they're like well this keeps happening you're probably gonna have to have some kind of a surgery but at that point like i wasn't playing once high school ended i wasn't playing sports anymore um the only other time that i really threw out my shoulder again i think was the year that the bears were in the super bowl and i think i jumped up and like did one of those fist bump kind of deals real fast and it my my shoulder popped out again when i did that so i'm like okay well that's a lesson never get too excited about anything So now that's why I'm that's why I'm very stoic. I don't get excited about stuff. I like to keep the shoulders right where they are. Yeah, never get excited
4: by it. No, I remember one excited about something. Uh, I got some news, and our back porch was connected to our kitchen. And and I'm, I remember I got something, and my brothers would probably laugh at this forever. Luckily, like, well, yeah, there was nothing major. I could really. Hurt myself, but I went skipping through the house, sort of like jumping, leaping, kind of like going back to rush and tell them something. Mm. Like, I was like, guys, da, 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 I don't even know what it was. And as I'm jumping and kind of running forward, super excited to tell them this, um, I forgot that I had grown to 6'3. Yeah. So as I jumped, I actually clipped the top of the doorway and mm. it not clotheslined me and knocked me down. Oh, on the ground, like bam. So. Oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I just went down like a heap and was like, who saw some stars for a second, but. Was, so, never get excited anymore after that yeah. he, was, he was never giddy even when he was a schoolboy <laughs> mm-hmm. I was two at the time no, i just kidding. there you go
3: it was just last week <laughs> <laughs> alright Pat Bo
4: you gotta trump mine
2: uh, oh I'm not trumping uh, anything
1: <laughs> I, I've had a couple of nosebleeds <laughs> I don't I don't have any toenails left on my feet that's pretty much it broken nose sorry
4: guys no broken nose is that bloody nose a broken nose at least broken nose yeah can we hear a broken nose no I've been I've been punched in the I mean I never
1: fought as much as you did but I've gotten I've gotten like punched in the face a couple of times and all that but yeah never
4: I did get the broken nose once sparring yeah (laughs) Brian Lawson if you're out there man yep (laughs) yeah Dennis big wants big revenge. Heavyweight, big super heavyweight man, caught me walking away with a left hook and uh, dropped my hand because I was looking at something on my glove for a second, never looked down and uh, got my nose broke. <laughs> I remember I had to go get the thing popped out with a spatula. I was up for it. They just kind of pop your nose back out. Yeah. Cut me, Mick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but at least it makes you more resilient to. You know, dealing with various meetings that come up with work
4: and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's no. I have a high pain threshold, obviously, that's why I'm still teaching. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't, man. Dennis has got the stories. The I th- one. The new one was cartilage. I did a flip at home plate on a slip. It was literally a Bryce Harper type of injury, and that was that. Still paying for that one, but. <laughs>
3: I'm just disappointed that me, uh, you know, tearing your hamstring or whatever it was, doesn't even make it to the top three. (laughs) Not even on there.
4: (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, that was from the effects of that injury Yeah. because I had gotten the injury in my left leg and I had lost a ton of muscle and then my leg shrunk because I couldn't lift and do some of the stuff I normally would do. And then I remember one of the first things I got back and did was that pep assembly where we were Mm -hmm. doing the, um. The, uh, the pugilist thing, the, um, yeah. pump it up type of, uh, um, you know, ball, uh, what was it? The, um, yeah, the inflatables, <laughs> inflatables, but it was the, the, what, what's the, what's the term? Um, the pugilist sticks, pugilist sticks, but yeah, yeah, like, so we're hitting each other with the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And somehow like I just, was in a balanced position and tightening and just like, you know, is it's, it's fatigue sets in. And then I remember at that point. It just pulls. And then I couldn't even move. I like, <laughs> I think I leaned forward on you, like with the stick. And then I just kept falling forward. I couldn't even stop myself. <laughs> so then it was like one to one. And, and I, I got, back, and then I remember I got back up knowing my hamstring had just ripped. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't think I knew you, you were hurt. I so I, I hope he just doesn't touch me. If I could just get him to swing and miss and fall off, then this will all end well.
3: Well, I don't think I knew that you were hurt. So I think when you started to lean like, forward, I no. think I went and walloped you in the head again. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just like helpless. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, he's, like he's one showing, leg standing on inflatable.
4: Not, not a good way to, yeah.
3: He's, he's showing weakness. Now is my chance. <laughs> the first
4: time I got there, it was pretty much domination, the first one. Uh-huh. And then the next two, you kind of come back and you're probably thinking like, what the hell just happened? I'm winning. Oh my God, this <laughs> is great. <laughs> and then there was like blood in the back of my calf or like my hamstring the next day. It was like all bruised. The but day is it. mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember I walked off to the side and I just go, yeah, that wasn't good. I just pulled a handy, but like somebody, and I'm sitting there and all the kids are cheering and laughing for you, and mm-hmm. and it's like, and I'm just off to the side. I just kind of go off to the side and thinking, yeah, that that's another assembly here that yeah, that didn't well, that that did not go well.
3: I'm surprised they let me keep doing assemblies because between that and between the time I knocked uh, Brandon Todd unconscious, <laughs> yeah.
4: Then there's the one where you fell out of inflatable. I remember on the floor, I have video of
3: that. I didn't fall. I just face planted. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> yeah. I don't. What did you do to knock Brandon? The, the, in, the inflatable cushioned my, the, the inflatable and my face cushioned my fall. <laughs> no, uh, with Brandon, we were, it was one of those other deals where we had rented the inflatables for one of the, the nights at the middle school. And um, we had the giant hamster ball deals. Yeah, And so we were in the cafeteria and he and I were in the, in the two hamster balls and we were kind of backed up and we were like running at each other. And I think that the way, you know, I was putting my hands up on the hamster ball as I was running just to kind of keep my balance. But I think instead of like putting my palms on the edge of the hamster ball, I was actually putting my fists on the edge. And right as our hamster balls met, his face hit my fist and it like knocked him unconscious for maybe like 10, 20 seconds or so. But he just like, he went completely limp and he, it was funny. It was just like watching him roll back and forth in the hamster ball for a second. <laughs> the phrase you don't hear very often. Is that? No. <laughs> the moment our hamster balls met. Well, it's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, uh, I think that calls for it. <laughs>
1: There you go. There's <laughs> the episode title right
3: there. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter three, the moment on am It's going to be the novel I'm working on <laughs> when somebody breaks my legs. Um, oh, what about you? Do you have any major injuries?
2: <laughs> Brain, my ankles a few times. And while it's not a major injury, I will say recovery takes forever.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They
4: just linger. They just be up.
2: They do. I mean, to this day. I'm not
4: quite sure about stepping on ground anymore, you know, for a while. Right.
2: Right. To this day, if I spend too much time on a ladder, you know, I come down the next day, I'm like, huh,
3: that sucks. (laughs) 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 All right. Question number three, our final question. If they were to remake Misery, who would play Paul and who would play Annie? Adam Driver and Laura Linney.
4: Mm. Who is it again? Adam driver and Laura Linney. Wow. So you went younger. Okay. Nice. Hmm. Adam driver.
3: I, and actually I did not know this when I made this choice, I did not know that he actually has played Paul. I believe if I remember reading that, right. Um, he actually has played Paul in a was it? Uh, Broadway stage version of the show. Uh, my choice was actually Bruce Willis Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to find some, I wanted to pick somebody for Paul that like seemed like he just didn't care about like meeting fans or like somebody who would be, you know, kind of like a Harrison Ford, like a, you know, I just, let me do my thing. I don't want to talk to fans. I don't want to like, and I was trying to picture like Bruce Willis in interviews when I see Bruce Willis in interviews, he just does not seem to care about anything. He's just like, I just want to do my thing. Leave me alone. So that's, I thought he would be a good one for Paul. Um, for Annie I was kind of going back and forth on this one because I wanted to pick somebody that I thought could look like very unassuming but then also get very intense very quickly um so I had a couple of different ideas for this one I I ultimately went with Charlize Theron because I think she could you know if you end up having a fight scene you know she's got at least the the physicality you know having having watched her in the movie like Atomic Blonde and some of those other movies she can fight so like that i i wouldn't put that past her um and she can kind of go from you know she's had roles where she's just very very nice and very sweet but she's also been uh what was the character's name furioso in the uh mad max movie and i mean she can do intense so i mean that's uh she can she can turn that on pretty quickly if i was going to go the other route of of other people that i thought could like turn it to intense pretty quickly i was thinking of like uh Tilda Swinton or, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody like that who physically they don't seem, they seem kind of unassuming, um, but they could like very quickly (laughs) flip that switch. So this will be mine. I'm going to go with Bruce Willis and Charlize Theron.
1: Yeah. I'm always bad at this guys. I hate to say it. I'm sitting back here thinking I, I don't know, man. I'm always bad at recasting movies.
3: I, I I man so in this movie uh so the guy's getting nursed back to health and eventually she kills him but for most of the movie she's nursing him back to health what if it was me and Monica Bellucci
1: that was I was gonna say Monica but she, I'm sorry. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just always I mean, bad. She can, I mean, who's she who's can she can break we, my she
3: can break my ankles if she needs to. I mean that's totally fine. I, hey man, at that point
1: they're not my ankles. or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's all hers. Um I yeah, I don't know. Um well here's one. How would how, okay, and I'm being serious about this because I'm really bad at this. Okay, because I, I only know like two actors. How would Robert Downey Jr. do in that role?
2: I think he'd probably do pretty good. Yeah, that'd be I mean, interesting for sure.
1: You know, I know his last couple of roles have been kind of eccentric, uh, ego kind of comic book make pretend characters. So I think it would be a little bit of a different thing for him, but.
3: It would, yeah. be, it would definitely be a different Paul Sheldon character because James Khan is kind of very subdued in yeah. how he handles everything. And, you know, I, I think a Robert Downey Jr. Would be much more snarky and sarcastic and so it'd be a very different character. But yeah, I know. I, I think he'd be good at that.
1: Yeah. And I, I know I'm trying to think of who, and I you know you guys just mentioned, but I'm trying to think of like, who does like that subdued kind of, okay. Like play it cool kind of, like chill out kind of guy. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm at a loss for recasting, but I'd be interested to see Robert Downey Jr. do it mm-hmm.
3: for the uh, Paul character. I'm surprised you didn't go with uh, Logan. Hugh Jackman. You
1: mm. could be good. Hugh Jackman
3: would be intro like
1: Hugh Jackman. Like, well, I think Robert Downey Jr. Can act as well. I mean, they're both, they're both capital A actors, um, to borrow a phrase from Adam Pranica, but, uh, on the, uh, greatest chat and, and, uh, friendly fire podcast. But, um, yeah, I'd say either of those guys, but I I mean, it's like, in all fairness, those are the only guys I know, you know? So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bad at these questions. I've, yeah.
4: Everyone else is actor just out there. Than,
1: <laughs> well,
4: I, mean, I know two actors.
1: Well, I know two. I really do. I mean. He plays
4: Iron Man. and Yeah. Low,
1: like Wolverine
4: and Iron Man. Hollywood are all
3: extras. You could, do, I mean, uh, I, you could do like Captain Picard. It, it could be like, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart could do it. Patrick
1: Stewart could, I was saying it like bond, but I mean, like if it was, um, Daniel, it was, uh, Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig yeah. I think he'd like, he'd be out in like two minutes. <laughs> like he'd have a way to like fight from his back and like <laughs> he'd have her like, yeah, it would be, that would be like a Saturday night live sketch. Not to say Daniel Craig couldn't do it, but
3: I'm just saying the there you go. completely see. changed up. Have it be Jackie Chan. Have it be Jackie Chan. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> there we go. I got um,
1: Bruce Bruce Lee. It would be a two minute like sketch. <laughs> Done.
2: Two two sounds, two hits. Yeah, me hitting you, and you hitting the floor.
4: So um, so mine, I guess you mentioned one of them. I had two kind of I don't know why two popped into my head like two sets of characters because they didn't match up, and I don't know if the second one matched up at well. But the first one was the creepiest one would have been I think uh, Tilda Swinton with um william defoe mm, mm-hmm. oh
2: there you go
4: that'd be a good one and then yeah. the other one was winona Ryder. Mm. mel gibson
2: winona Ryder mm. can do crazy good
4: yeah, she can. yeah and then mel gibson i feel like the older writer sure i discussed for sort of the you know her kind of she could be kind of that quirky um sort of eccentric uh bipolar you know BPD borderline personality type of, I think she could play that well. And I think he can be the, you know, the writer who kind of is sick of what he's doing and, you know, and trying to be somewhat nice, but also f- kind of fed up with where he's at with her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Those are the, those are the two combinations that I thought of. Nice. I also thought maybe Nicholas Cage at one point, um, maybe uh, Tom Hanks, but he's in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are a couple other. Michael answers. Keaton. And at Harrison Ford, when I thought of just exactly what you said, like when I see Harrison Ford on interviews, he always like the night show, uh, talk shows and stuff. He always looks like he just is there because I have to be there to push this movie. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to be here. <laughs> I'm here because George Lucas wouldn't kill my character.
2: <laughs>
4: I just,
1: I, 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 I just I thought I had s- a guy for a second. I thought I had an actor. Then I lost it. Darn it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I got Robert. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. He'd be good. Robert Downey Jr. Is
4: it uh, Stephen what Baldwin? Uh, what about Baldwin? Yeah, <laughs> he'd be. I think. I feel like he'd be great in this movie. I feel like Stephen Baldwin was already in misery.
1: Was it? I saw a great. I, there was a director's uh, cut. There was some kind of monologue about uh, that one of the Baldwin brothers gave. Uh, right, wasn't it in something? Yeah, I had, I had someone for this, I had someone for this role and I thought it would have been interesting. I thought you guys would have been all like, oh, Pat. Okay, cool.
3: Stella Skarsgård. It
1: was, oh man, it was, um, I can't think I'll think of it like next week, you know, we'll be, you know, saying something.
3: For the character of Paul Sheldon, I'm going to cast Paula Sheldon and it'll be Natalie Portman. Um, and then... I don't know. I was just trying to come up with something.
4: Well, the thing about the guy character, it's like at the end, I mean, I guess James Conn works, but who can, you know, you got a, it's a pretty violent ending. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of anger and rage and frustration and being stuck. And then really like, again, whether that's representative of his, of his writing career and also the immediate threat that's before him. Right. But, um, like, I'm like, I don't know if Tom Hanks could pull that part off. No, I don't think so. I mean, he's good, but like, I can't see him just like taking a typewriter and, no. I could definitely see Mel Gibson doing that. Yeah.
3: Tom Hanks is not murdery. Good. No. (laughs) (laughs) Nicolas Cage can go psycho. There's your episode title. Tom Hanks is not murdery. Good. (laughs) Uh All right. Well, actually, and before, before we end, I don't want to end without mentioning this. Um, This was Kathy Bates when she won the Oscar uh, for this movie. It was the first time a woman had won an Oscar or a horror or thriller movie. Oh good. So, yeah, didn't want to didn't want to pass that up without mentioning that before we finish up the episode, but
1: she definitely deserved it for this.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for misery. That's going to do it for this episode. If you want to find out more about our show, go ahead and head over to our website, 30podcast.com. Um, got links to all of our different social media accounts. You can leave a voicemail there. If you want to leave some feedback on misery or any of the other, um, Episodes that we've, or any of the other movies we've talked about lately, and uh, next month we are—I can't even believe—we're already in. So this comes to the end of our uh, October, the end of our horror month, and uh, next month we are in November already, almost, almost the end of the year here. And um, this is going to be our tribute to Australia Month, uh, which technically only two of the movies are Australian, but it's a loosely based month anyway. So um, we have Quiggly Down Under, we have Rescuers Down Under. We have Men at Work, not an Australian movie at all, as far as I can tell. Um, And then we've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells tour. So we're doing do those for November. And then we're also going to have, uh, we'll have a Patreon exclusive one for anybody who is a uh, patron of the show. You get that uh, once a month exclusive episode. Um, I do not have the one picked out for November just yet, uh, but that one will be coming up in the middle of the month. So if you're interested in getting access to that, go ahead and over, head over to our website, 30podcast.com, and you can go to the um, patron or donate page and you can uh, click that link there so you can find out how you can Uh, get access to that monthly exclusive episode that we've got for our patrons for our co-executive producers of the show so um that being the case that's going to be the end of this episode for us so thank you gentlemen for being here with me tonight um always have fun talking movies with you thank you john thanks guys this has been the 30 something movie podcast you have 30 seconds left to live um be excellent to each other go watch some good movies go watch some spooky movies And we'll see you back here next time.